0: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, now I got a bunch of different gigs, love calling games, called a little action. It was time for some time for some action last night between Akron and Eastern Michigan, but I'm back at it. Already posted college draft podcast this morning. Already posted the Ross Tucker football podcast, which was awesome. We had Matt Kalish, one of the DraftKings founders and the president of DraftKings North America. To talk about Rainmakers, which everybody, you need to check out today's Ross Tucker football podcast because if you're into fantasy football and if you're listening or watching this show, you are. Check out the interview on today's Ross Tucker football podcast that Rainmakers combines basically like Dynasty, DFS, NFTs, all in one. Very, very cool. Almost as cool as Joe Dolan at FG. Underscore Dolan. He is the fantasy gangster. You need to check out his work at fantasypoints.com. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on social. We're at Ross Tucker Pod, and we're giving away autographs to somebody that rates and reviews the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And then sends me an email this week, Ross at Ross Tucker.com. The way Joe looks right now, and with the way his hat. Is positioned. He looks like he's hungover or on a bender of sorts. How are you, Joe? Oh,
1: uh, Ross, I was up late uh, last night for uh, for reasons, uh, uh, but uh, I'm uh, I'm just trying to get through the day. Uh, and uh, I, 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 let's let's just say I just did not get my normal sleep share last night. <laughs> let's put it, it, that, it let's put it that way. Uh, without well, getting into too much detail, uh, not hungover, just exhausted.
0: Well, Joe, I called a game in Akron that ended at 11. I got home at 4.30 and slept from 4.40 to 6.40 before oh. I was on the radio and WIP oh. radio at 7 a.m. Oh. So I slept two hours. So you know what that means, Joe? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs>
1: hey, that's what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm There's no way you
0: got less. Did you get less than no, two I did hours? Did I no, bet I did you didn't?
1: No, no, no. No. Hey.
0: It doesn't matter. It's not right, Yeah. <laughs> What is a contest is winning when it comes to fantasy football. You help me win, Joe. You help all of us win. Love the insight. Love the stats. Love the information. Love the show that's so nice we do it twice. We'll get to the Thursday night game as well as the Sunday 1 o'clock games and the Sunday morning. Guten Tag in Germany. Use the code 22FEAST by the way at fantasypoints.com. Thursday night though, first up Joe, it's a game that I swear they just played yesterday. They did. Falcons Panthers.
1: <laughs> 2 weeks ago, um that that was the wild PJ Walker throw to DJ Moore at the end of the game and then the helmet toss and then all that crap uh and now they're going back to PJ Walker Carolina despite his atrocious performance last week. Um Look, I mean, we know PJ Walker's not the long-term answer here, but Baker Mayfield probably proved he wasn't the long-term answer here either. And and they're not going and they're not activating Sam Darnold yet. So, or at the very least, are not going to play Sam Darnold yet. Uh here's here's the good news. Uh, Walker has attempted 90 passes this season, 29 of them have been targeted at D.J. Moore. Now, of course, when what, P.J. Walker goes three of ten for nine yards and two picks, it doesn't matter how many times he throws the ball to D.J. Moore. Uh, But at the very least, Walker's given D.J. Moore some life. We know Deontay Foreman uh, has had some big games, including a couple weeks ago against the Falcons. Now, here is the problem, though. What I saw from the Panthers last week in that drubbing, by the Bengals was kind of what I had anticipated seeing from this backfield, just like a bad offense that can't get anything going on the ground. And then Deontay Foreman produces seven carries for 20 yards. He loses two yards as a receiver. There's two guys you can consider for for Carolina. And Chuba Hubbard might be back this week, by the way. But there's two guys you can consider for, for Carolina, Deontay Foreman and D.J. Moore. And that's it. You've seen the downside for both of them if P.J. Walker doesn't play well.
0: Atlanta. Tough team to figure out. It's Cordero's back. It's the Cordero and Algier show.
1: Uh, Yeah, Cordero. Now, Cordero is somebody who I'm actually excited to play. Um, I would think his snaps go up. By the way, the good news is Cordero Patterson got four of their five goal line carries. The other one went to Caleb Huntley. So Cordero Patterson punching in those two touchdowns, including the one where he ran over Drew Tranquil. I uh, tranquilized him, you might say, Ross. Nice, um, nice. So that's going to get him uh, more touches going forward. I really like Cordero Patterson this week. But, but here's the fact of the matter. Marcus Mariota is just crushing Drake London and and Kyle Pitts. Just crushing them. I mean, Kyle Pitts last week had like 150 air yards and like 20 actual yards receiving. I don't know if you saw him wide open down the field and Marcus Mariota throwing a hot air balloon up there. Um, he's he's just crushing these guys. We're in, we're in week 10, Ross. It's no longer, oh, Kyle Pitts will figure out, uh-uh, this is happening. Like, maybe, maybe something changes. Maybe they go to Desmond Ritter at some point. They're still in contention for the division, so I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, it, it's just London and Pitts are both on your bench. I mean that that's where we're at right now, Ross. Week number ten, and one more thing to throw out there. I know we post this after waivers run, but I've been getting some questions. Oh, how much Fab should I use, guys? It's week ten. You probably should have used most of it already. But if like you're if you have Josh Allen in a super flex league, how much Fab should you use on Case Keenum? All of it. This is not time to be to be dilly dallying. You've got to try to make the playoffs. Your fab, you're fab. It's, it's time to just spend it up. We are heading down the stretch for the, for the playoffs. Sorry, Ross. Uh, I know we'll talk about Alan later, but uh, um, at this point, what I'm trying to say is we start to know what our playoff rosters are going to look like. Doesn't mean you stop grinding the waiver wire, but it's been a waiver wire that's been a little empty in the last couple of weeks.
0: Totally agree. Let's move on to the Sunday morning game. Guten Tag. It's Seattle against the Bucs in Munich.
1: So the big question for me with the Bucs, and you know what to do with Chris Godwin and and Mike Evans. I know it hasn't been pretty. Uh, Brady's throwing the ball 58 times, and he's under 300 yards passing. But you kind of got to play those guys. The big question for Tampa Bay right now is what's going on with the backfield? Leonard Fournette. Visibly frustrated. Tracy Wolfson brought this up on the broadcast. Visibly frustrated that Rashad White was in there on a 10-play drive. Rashad White, of all people, had to go over and calm Leonard Fournette down. Tampa Bay's run game has been appallingly bad. I think part of that is on the fact that Byron Leftwich is calling a very uncreative, predictable scheme. Running on first and 10 into the backs of his offensive linemen constantly. And... And I, I don't think that's helping matters, but I do think they might start to get Rashad White a little more work. Rashad White is a viable flex right now. Leonard Fournette, I'm not saying you bench him, but they might be looking for a spark in that run game. Let's see if they trust Rashad White more. That was a season-saving win for the Buccaneers, though. I'm wondering if they're going to start carrying some of that momentum forward. Brady was really fired up after that game. And I one thing they should do, it, this is the – this is my, my theory with the Buccaneers. It's my, why don't they build the entire plane out of the black box theory? The Buccaneers have only looked good offensively the last couple of weeks when they're in hurry up. Why don't you just run the K-gun? Hey, I'm not a coach, though.
0: Look, I've been saying that the Arizona Cardinals should do that all year. I yeah. mean, th- that's, that's the best the Cardinals move the ball – is when they're in two minutes. So I'm with yep, you on with that, Joe. Yeah. What about Seattle? I mean, Seattle? look, I know it's
1: tiring for uh, – well, Seattle, I mean, I love Seattle because Geno's awesome. Um. Now, here's the thing. Tampa Bay's run defense is going to improve for one major reason. They got Akeem Hicks back last week. They got Carlton Davis, their top cornerback. They got Sean Murphy bunting back. So they've got – they're getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. But Metcalf and Lockett are weekly starters – Gino is easily a top 10 quarterback each and every week. Look, look, here's what I loved about Gino: He threw that pick six. And this is a term that Greg Cosell calls selective amnesia. All right, I threw a pick six. I'm still going to go out there and sling it. Got him a victory. I just love the way Geno's playing football right now. Ken Walker's a must-start in your backfield. But just keep in mind, the return of Akeem Hicks has improved that Seattle defense. But, I I, I mean, Seattle's been one of my favorite teams. It's just like, I think every year in the NFL and in fantasy, you got teams that, like, you just hate watching and you don't care if they lose. And then you've got teams that, like, you start to pull for because they're a good story and they're fun. Seattle's one of those teams for me. And the fact that they're paying dividends for my fantasy team – Also really helps. I love what Geno Smith's doing. I love Seattle. I have a hunch Tampa Bay's going to win this game. But I still think for fantasy purposes. Oh, and Noah Fant, by the way. Noah Fant starting to make some noise here as a move tight end. I think he's an interesting option this week. Let's go to
0: Buffalo, Joe. And let's talk about Labatt Blue Light. Because it's delicious. It feels so good when it touches my lips. There's no better way to watch your team, whether it's the Bills or somebody else on game day, than with the pristine Canadian goodness. Love that word. I need to use the word pristine more often of a cold Labatt blue light in hand. My go-to light beer. Stock up and be the MVP of your tailgate and share a Labatt on game day with your crew. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo. New York. Buffalo, New York, Joe, as you know, is where the Buffalo Bills reside. It's 11.13 a.m. on Wednesday. The latest from Rappaport that I saw was that they think, no sure thing that Josh Allen plays, but they think he might be able to manage it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Our guy Edwin Porras, Dr. Edwin Porras, uh, who um, actually, he's at FantasyPoints.com and he does our injury reports. He's actually a baseball uh, physical therapist for the Minnesota Twins organization. And so he's familiar with UCL injuries. And he says he thinks there's a chance that if if this is a grade one UCL sprain, Allen's playing. If there's a grade two, it's going to be harder for him to play. But it's Josh Allen, and he even said, even if there's a complete tear, there's a chance with rehab he could play through it. Believe me, if there was uh, any NFL quarterback you were to tell me is going to play through a UCL tear, Josh Allen would be like my one through five on that list. Uh, I, I, Josh, Josh Allen is a blockhead in all of the on all of the right ways. Like that guy's going to jump in front of a bus. If it's going to get him a touchdown, and he's going to play through an elbow injury, if if it's going to get him a touchdown, the question is: Do the Bills decide? Let's be smart about Josh Allen, and let's sit him down a week. But the fact that there's a chance he practices on a Wednesday is probably a good sign for his availability. But here is the thing with 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 the Bills that that uh, that we brought up. It's like, it's so weird that Josh Allen is like this dominant fantasy football asset. And really, that team has only one super trustworthy option outside of Allen. That being, of course, Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis has been boom or bust. He's been above 16 points in three games, but he's been below eight in four. Um, Dawson Knox is touchdown dependent. The backfield now is up in the air. Naeem Hines got there. He only played four snaps on offense. Um, because he said it was tough for him to pick up the playbook on a short week. But you would think his snaps are going to go up going forward. And if Josh Allen's not 100%, remember, over the last six quarters, he has no touchdown passes and four interceptions. So even with the without the elbow injury, he's in kind of a little mini slump. This is an offense that's a little bit concerning on a micro level for this particular matchup against Minnesota because I'm not really sure what how they're going to mix in Hines. You know, you know, Davis has been up and down. Diggs, of course, you you, you trust each and every week, but um, I'm just a little bit concerned with this when it comes to Josh Allen and, and the fact that he hasn't been playing to his standards for a game and a half. Moving
0: on, Joe, let's get to the Viking side yeah. of this. So, um, the,
1: the yeah, Vikings, you know, you know how we, I love the Vikings every week, yeah. but there is a new part of this offense, and it's one that we saw. They traded two day two picks for TJ Hawkinson. Well, a short week. I just said Naeem Hines. He didn't pick up the playbook. He said it was a little difficult for him. Well, the Vikings were able to get TJ Hawkinson involved. He played 91% of the snaps, which was the most of any Viking tight end this year. Irv Smith had never gotten to that point. Johnny Munt had never gotten to that point. He got nine targets. He caught all of them. And from Fantasy Point's data, two of the nine targets for Hawkinson were designed targets. And what that means is this is a play call. The ball is going only one like a screen or a pop pass or, or, or like, or like a, um, a shovel pass would be what we would call a design target. The ball's going one place. And two of the nine targets for TJ Hawkinson were designed. He hadn't seen a designed target in Detroit since week one. So the Vikings had a plan for TJ Hawkinson. This is a guy who must be in your lineups going forward. There are not five or six tight ends better for fantasy than TJ Hawkinson. That usage was so encouraging from him. The Vikings traded for him because they had a plan for him, and they already executed that plan even on a short week.
0: Interesting. All right. His former team, the Lions, struggled offensively. They got the win. They play Justin Field and the Bear. Is Justin Fields a league winner for
1: people? Yes, Joe? he is. Yes, he is. He's averaging 8.7 designed carries per game over the last three weeks. He was at 3.5 in the first six weeks of the season. And you know, Matt Eberflus came out and he said. Oh, over the bye week, we started studying like the Bills' offense and the Ravens' offense and the Eagles' offense, like these offenses that utilize mobile quarterbacks. My question for Eberflus is, why wasn't that the case when you took the job? You knew Justin Fields was going to be your quarterback. This guy's an elite athlete. Like you can you can be up, you can think this is what Justin Fields is going to be forever. You can think it's a blip on the radar. You can be up on him. You can be down on him. But even Guys who are down on Justin Fields and don't, don't think this is his real ceiling or real floor, or whatever you want to call it. The one thing you got to admit is the dude is freaking talented. He can zip the ball and he can move. Like he is a big time runner. This has just been, he's absolutely a league winner. Getting him on the move has raised his confidence. They're starting to get Cole Komet involved as part of. The passing game plan, he's got three touchdowns the last two weeks. It just seems that like some of these things that we were optimistic about with the Bears, Justin Fields' athleticism, Cole Komet, um, maybe being the second-best target on the team, it just took eight weeks for, for that to come to fruition. And you know what? We can criticize Eberflus, Luke Getzey, whatever, for their offensive game plan early in the season. All we ask, first-time head coach, first-time offensive coordinator, fix it. They fix it. And th- right now, it's leading to Bears fans being justifiably optimistic about their future with Justin Fields. And, you know, say what you want about Chase Claypool. I didn't love that trade, but they went out and got him another weapon to go with Darnell Mooney and now Cole Komet. You know, things are looking up for the Bears. They're not going to make the playoffs. They don't have that level of talent. But the future is looking a lot brighter than it did a month ago. I'll say that.
0: What about the Lions on offense, Joe?
1: Well, the the big concern here is is what's going on with DeAndre Swift. You know, two weeks ago, he got 55% of the snaps, and Dan Campbell was like, man, I think we pushed him too hard. DeAndre Swift said after that game two weeks ago, I don't know if I'm going to be 100% the rest of the season. That came to fruition. He played 16% of the snaps. He was running as the number three running back on his own team. After week one against the Eagles, before he got hurt, I think he got hurt at the end of that Eagles game, by the way. But before he got hurt, this guy looked like a guy who was going to be a top five running back on the season on an offense that was going to score a lot more points than people anticipated. And then obviously he got hurt. The Lions have had injuries everywhere, and things have sort of collapsed for him. DeAndre Swift right now, maybe his snap share goes up. He's a flex, and you have to hope he probably scores on a passing play because they're not going to give him goal line carries. Jamal Williams leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. So that's the kind of the bummer for for DeAndre Swift. I will say this, though. I really do like the matchup for Amon Ross St. Brown. The Bears slot corner is rookie Kyler Gordon. He has started to clean it up after struggling early, but still, that is a matchup that I'm going to give the edge to uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in in this matchup.
0: Let's get to the Jags and the Chiefs. You know what? We saw some life. From our guy Trevor Lawrence, best Dude. performance in a while. And Joe, I'm so glad we posted that on social media. You saying ETN was a star. Before now, this week, everybody else is saying ETN's a star.
1: Well, I was screaming and yelling about it because I love Travis ETN. I was like, uh, when they posted that, I was like, geez, Joe, could you quiet down a little bit? <laughs> but I got really excited about Travis ETN. Go listen to last week's podcast if you want to hear me wax poetic about Travis Etienne. Uh, by the way, the, the the Chiefs' run defense has gotten a little bit better uh, at the point of attack, but the Jaguars are going to do what the Jaguars do. Um, for the Jaguars' passing game, I think it's worth noting that I don't believe Trent McDuffie, the rookie corner for Kansas City who's played in two games so far, has given up a catch yet. Uh, you, know, wow. you, you remember talking to Greg Cosell in the pre-draft podcast, obviously Emery as well, the way those guys talked about Trent McDuffie, the the rookie corner out of Washington, second rookie corner out of Washington. We're talking about on this program because Kyler Gordon went there too. Um, He's doing a really good job. That's going to be a tough draw for Trevor Lawrence. And and here's one thing I want to watch though, for the Jaguars. We just talked about Justin Fields. I do wonder if maybe Doug Peterson took a look at like a little bit of like Justin Fields. Hey, you know, Trevor, Justin Fields out there in, 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 Chicago He's getting a little more comfortable because they're getting him on the move. You know, he's running a little more. Trevor Lawrence is coming off a game where he had a career-high 53 rushing yards. I just wonder if those – he can move, but he hasn't it hasn't been a big part of his, his weaponry in the NFL. I do wonder if that's going to be a bigger part of his game going forward, Trevor Lawrence on the ground. So that's something that I'm curious to see in this game. Also, uh, keep an eye on Evan Ingram, who has a back injury. I know he's somebody – who um, people have been streaming at tight end. I think over the last three weeks heading into last week was like the tight end seven, but he left early with a back injury. They think he's going to be okay, but it is something to watch for for the Jaguars if you've been streaming Evan Ingram as your tight end.
0: What do we need to know, Joe, about the Kansas City Chiefs right now?
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, our, our fantasy points data score uh, has this as one of the five worst rushing matchups of the week. For Kansas City. Now, it said the same thing last week against Tennessee. One of the five worst. And my takeaway was, that doesn't matter to Andy Reid. He doesn't run it anyway. They had 13 carries for 14 yards from their running backs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes led him in rushing. From their running backs against Tennessee last week. You would just... If you play one of these running backs, and right now, I think the best one is McKinnon. Because he caught six passes. I think it's McKinnon. Not sure. But, I mean... They just don't run the ball, and I don't think they're going to run it in this game against an exploitable secondary. I really don't. And right now, um, Travis Kelsey's obviously the one truly reliable guy here, but Juju Smith-Schuster has come on and has started to produce. If Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 70 passes every game, Juju's going to get 10 catches. He's been the only reliable wide receiver there. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Mahomes throws 68 passes, gets one target. Forget about it. He's droppable. I'd much rather have Kadarius Toney on my roster than Valdez Scantling right now. Tony played only eight snaps and caught more passes than Valdez Scantling in that game. Wow. I think his role is going to grow going forward. I'd rather have the, 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 the Chiefs you roster right now. I think you can have, I, I mean, Edwards-Alaire, you, you need him to score. McKinnon, you hope they get into a game where they can't run the ball because he'll catch some. Pacheco is just getting empty calorie touches in a three-man rotation. It, it's Kelsey and Juju and Mahomes who've got to be in lineups. I'm curious about keeping Tony on my bench, but it's kind of weird that just like with the Bills, this elite quarterback play, and there's not more than one or one and a half guys you trust in this offense. It's kind of bizarre.
0: Very bizarre. What about Cleveland and Miami? I, I think this is actually one of the sneaky, most interesting games of the day.
1: Yeah. um, well, Ross, you don't. Uh, you're not alone there in thinking that. If you look at the projected over/under, it's 48 and a half. That is one of the highest on the slate. Like the matchup uh, for the Cleveland Browns against Miami, and I kind of like Jacoby Brissett in this matchup. But there is one thing that needs to be pointed out. Our guy Scott Barrett, who we've had on the Feast Pod, has long advocated and proven that Amari Cooper is one of the most shadow-sensitive receivers in football. When he gets tight shadow coverage, he often gets shut down. And the Dolphins, Xavier Howard, as you know, is a shadow corner. He's faced five different receivers on more than 56% of their routes this season. But he's been exploitable. Four of those five receivers have gone for 36 or more yards. Rashad Bateman, Stephon Diggs, T. Higgins, and Justin Jefferson in Howard's primary coverage. So not their full stat line, but in his primary coverage. Both Bateman and Jefferson went for over 90 yards on him, while both Bateman and Higgins scored on him. So Xavier Howard has been an exploitable shadow corner this year. So what what is going to give here in this matchup? Amari Cooper's historical tendency to wilt when he gets shadowed by a top corner? Or the fact that Xavier Howard has been exploitable this year? I'm not really sure what the answer to that is. But I'm not sitting Cooper if he's in my lineup. It does, though make me very interested in Donovan Peoples-Jones as a wide receiver three this week, somebody who's really been coming on for the Cleveland Browns, and especially if David Njoku can't play through his high ankle sprain this week.
0: On the other side, the Dolphins?
1: Well, the Cleveland's had one of the most exploitable secondaries in the NFL. Love, I, I love Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle every week. They're both, like, top five receivers. Tyreek Kill's on pace to be the all-time greatest receiver this year. Um, and obviously, Tua is a slam-dunk uh, QB1 the other big change uh it, for Miami the one big change rather they acquired Jeff Wilson at the trade deadline from the 49ers for a fifth round pick which is not nothing might have mentioned that on the pod last week by the way well in his first game with the dolphins and remember he did not have to learn the offense because he played under Mike McDaniel in San Francisco he paced Raheem Mostert in snap share 50 to 46% paced him in touches 12 to 9 paced him in scrimmage yards, 72 to 26, on his way to 16.2 fantasy points. I wonder if they want Mostert to be the change of pace and they want Jeff Wilson to be the lead back because Chase Edmonds was not it. They dumped Chase Edmonds off to the Broncos uh, in the Bradley Chubb deal and instantly got one of their best running back performances of the year with Jeff Wilson. I think Jeff Wilson, if you had him and you didn't drop him after the Christian McCaffrey trade – This trade to Miami completely rescued all your Jeff Wilson shares. He is a usable RB2 for me.
0: Ooh, all right. I like that little nugget. Um, Let's get to the Houston Texans and the New York Giants. The Giants had been previously one of my symbol teams of the week on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Coming off the bye, no Xavier McKinney. As a reminder, Symbol is awesome. It lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks. You even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. And I know because I bought the Eagles and all they've done is win. All they do is win, win win, win, no no matter matter what. what. The perfect blend of sports and the stock market. Symbol basically took the thrill of sports betting, combined it with the profitability of the stock market, to give you a platform where fortune absolutely favors the fan. It's just fun. It's just fun to see the value go up and down, fun to get the cash dividends when they win. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store. Make sure you use the code FANTASY so you get a free team stock valued up to $150 upon signing up. That's code FANTASY to claim your free stock on the Symbol mobile app. All right. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi wild cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild. Giants Texans Joe
1: go. There is one story to follow in this game. Um, First and foremost, Brandon cooks was at Texans practice on Wednesday not participating so there's a wrist injury the personal issues we know that we got to follow that nico collins but there is one major thoroughfare that i'm going to explore here with this game on both sides and it's the run game according to uh our our fantasy points data both the texans and the giants have top five run game matchups on the week the giants run defense has gotten better since leonard williams comes Came back from the elbow injury. However, um, the Giants have given up the most non quarterback yards before contact per rushing attempt over the last five weeks. Damian Pierce, by the way, the Texans aren't even opening holes for him, and it doesn't matter. He's just breaking tackles every week. You saw, I mean, the Eagles were very content to just say, all right, Damian Pierce, you're going to run on us, but you're not going to make big plays, and we're going to win. We're going to win that way. It worked, but Damian Pierce has a great matchup this week. So does Saquon Barkley. Like the Texans, the Giants' offensive line is underperforming in the run game, but the matchup is too good to ignore. Houston has allowed over 100 yards and multiple rushing scores to running backs over the last three weeks, in each of the last three weeks, including Derrick Henry going for over 202 touchdowns. Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell both scored last week. Josh Jacobs scored three times three weeks ago. This is very obviously a juicy, juicy, juicy matchup for Saquon Barkley, who is going to be uber chalky on the DFS slate in this in this matchup. Especially since Christian McCaffrey's not on the main slate, by the way.
0: What about the Giants on offense?
1: It, it's Saquon. Um, Wandale Robinson is uh, somebody who I was disappointed by in the week before the buy. Um, he's still a bench hold for me. Kenny Galladay. Is returning to practice. Whatever he gives them's a bonus for the Giants at this point.
0: <laughs> um, New Orleans is in Pittsburgh, Joe.
1: Oh, this is going to be a rip snorter. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, this the totals forty here. Two and a half is New Orleans giving. Um, it's a bad football team. Michael Thomas is out for the year Jarvis Landry couldn't play, although Jarvis Landry is a solid bench stash. Um, You know about Alvin Kamara. I don't understand why they don't get – this is where we're at right now with New Orleans. Taysom Hill has been like the bane of my existence for five years, and now I'm asking why they don't get him more involved because they don't have weapons. Um, Pittsburgh did swing a trade for a corner. Uh, William Jackson, who I think is going to come in and play left corner for them, Uh, but – He could be in and out of the lineup. I think that's good news for Chris Olave in this game. One more thing for Pittsburgh. Over the last five weeks, they have generated by far the least pressure in the NFL on the lowest percentage of snaps. That probably changes if TJ Watt is back this week and makes this a much more difficult matchup for Andy Dalton and the Saints. But, man, that Saint offense, that Saint defense, that Saint team – is really hard to watch right now. Oh, and by the way, they don't have a first-round pick next year.
0: Brutal. Steelers.
1: Okay, a couple of Jaylen things. Jalen Warren time. Yeah, so I think Warren's going to get more involved. I don't know if Tomlin's going to bench him, um, but I think you can use Warren in a uh, – I don't know if Tomlin's going to bench Najee Harris, rather. You could use Warren in a flex right now. The guy who I think benefits the most from – the trade of Chase Claypool to the Bears. Remember, Chase Claypool was their primary slot receiver. The guy who I think benefits the most is Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. I think he becomes their primary interior receiver. They got Steven Sims. They got Olszewski. I don't think either one of those guys is going to make much of an impact at all. I think Pat Fryermuth is the guy who benefits the most from that deal. And also, a matchup I'm looking at here. Over the last five weeks, per our Fantasy Points data, the corner who has given up the most fantasy points per coverage snap by far is Paulson Debo the left corner for the Saints. That's George Pickens, tip, typical alignment. I think George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth are the big beneficiaries from Chase Claypool being out and narrowing this target tree.
0: I'm really interested in the Jalen Warren, Najee Harris thing. Really? I, I, I mean,
1: it doesn't take – it doesn't take a trained set of eyes to see that Warren's looked more explosive. Now the question is, is that Najee's foot or is that Najee's mentality? That's kind of broken because I remember when this happened to Trent Richardson and it was hard to swallow hard to swallow.
0: Very last, but not least Broncos at the Titans, Joe,
1: the Broncos coming out of the bye getting a little bit of momentum in the London game. Does this help things going forward? Russell, I'm not saying Russell Wilson was good, but Russell Wilson was better in that game. The problem for the Broncos run game is they've added a third bad running back to it. Now you got Melvin Gordon, you've got uh, Latavius Murray and you've got chase Edmonds. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Edmonds, but Miami couldn't wait to get rid of him in the Bradley Chubb trade. Um, who knows if they work him in there, uh, it, right now, if you play Gordon or Latavius Murray, you've got to hope they score. Fortunately, both of them have been doing that, um, so they're they're both kind of flex options for me. Here is the thing that's been kind of puzzling for Denver, and and there might be an explanation for it. After catching at least four passes for 52 yards in at in each of the Broncos' first five games, Cortland Sutton went into the Week Nine bye with just six catches for 50 yards on 16 targets over the last three games uh, for the Denver Broncos, which has coincided with the debut of the rookie tight end, Dolchich, who quickly has become the apple of Russell Wilson's eye. And things will not get easier for Sutton this week. He lines up as Denver's left wide receiver about 50% of the time. That is on the same side where the Titans play Christian Fulton, who the third-year corner... He's been one of the most underrated corners in the NFL this season, limiting opposing wide receivers to the third fewest fantasy points per coverage snap over the last five weeks. Wow. So that, so I think Dulcich and Jerry Judy have really kind of become the guys that Russell Wilson has trusted over the last three weeks. Let's see if that continues out of the bye.
0: How about the Titans on
1: offense? The Titans didn't have a wide receiver catch a pass. Now that was mostly on Malik Willis. But you would figure that Patrick Sertan is going to shut down Robert Woods, even if Ryan Tannehill's back. The Titans are the are Derrick Derek Henry show. That is the one guy you can consider on this team. Nobody else is worth considering.
0: No one else is worth considering as my co-host. Absolutely love Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. Still have one, two, three, four, five games to get to on part two of the Fantasy Feast. I'm full, but I still got room for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and The College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.